Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. Maybe it was an embarrassing memory slip or one of those runaway train moments where you knew you were rushing but just couldn't stop. Or perhaps it was a super quiet and exposed moment where your bow started shaking and doing some crazy involuntary ricochet type of thing. But I think we've all had certain performances or auditions that we wish we could take back, where things went so badly and we were so embarrassed or felt so ashamed that it still affects us a little bit today, where we tighten up when we get to a particular section of a tricky excerpt, or develop a sort of complex about a particular part of the bow or dynamic range, or become fearful and anxious in certain passages, even if we never have a problem with them in practice or rehearsal. In the absence of a way to eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, our brains, and I actually can't remember if that worked out well or not in the movie, so maybe it's just as well that we can't. Uh, The question for me is how can we move past these distressing performance moments and let go of our audition or performance baggage so these moments from our past don't continue to affect our performances in the future. So I was intrigued when I saw a recent study that seems to get at this a little bit. An international team of researchers were curious about the potential benefits of a particular type of confidence known as self-efficacy. Self-efficacy is essentially how strongly you believe in your ability to achieve a particular goal or be successful in a specific task. And it's been linked to all sorts of positive things like persistence, showing initiative, better emotional regulation, more effective responses to stress, and even increased performance in sport, academic, and work settings. Given this, the researchers wondered, might it be possible to leverage self-efficacy in some way to take a bit of the sting out of a negative experience from our past? So the team recruited 50 participants and had all of them start off by spending one minute recalling and imagining a negative memory from their past, a memory that was still, quote, mildly to moderately distressing and fell somewhere between a 25 and a 75, where zero is not at all distressing and 100 is extremely distressing. After visualizing this memory, they were asked to rate various aspects of the memory, like how vivid or distressing the memory was, with questions like, how distressing is a negative memory right now? where one equals not at all, and 10 equals extremely stressful. 
They were also hooked up to heart rate monitors and asked to report on their physiological state during recall, with questions like, during recall, I had heart palpitations. Again, from 1 to 10, where 1 equals none at all, and 10 equals extremely. Then the participants were randomly divided into two groups. One group, the self-efficacy group, was asked to recall and imagine three specific events from their past, which demonstrate, quote, strength and self-efficacy where they managed the situation successfully despite potential barriers. Like doing something well in sports or school, or having handled a difficult emotional situation effectively. Participants in the positivity group were simply asked to recall specific events where they felt particularly positive, like a happy encounter with a friend or partner or experiencing nature during holidays. Next, participants were asked to recall and imagine the negative memory once again for two minutes, and then they were asked to describe that memory to the experimenter in as much detail as possible. And finally, they were asked to reflect on 10 open-ended prompts about that negative memory. Basically, they are presented with 10 questions and given a minute per question to potentially rethink or reframe the negative memory in a gentle sort of way. Like to consider what positive aspects of the event there may have been, or what sort of personal changes resulted, or how their emotions have changed over time, or what positive experiences they've had since, and so on. Especially in light of the self-efficacy or positive memories they just recalled, though this wasn't stated in any explicit sort of way. Eight days later, participants returned to the lab and were asked one last time to recall and imagine their negative memory for one minute, after which they answered the same questions they were asked at the very start of the study, like how distressing the memory was, where they felt that their heart was beating faster, and so on. The main question, of course, was, did the experience of dwelling on self-efficacy memories from the past and then reappraising the negative memory change how they felt about it? Well, first off, it's not like positive thinking is totally useless. Reflecting on positive moments did have some benefits. For instance, whether participants imagined self-efficacious times or positive times, ratings of self-efficacy went up regardless. And this wasn't necessarily what the researchers were expecting, but it kind of makes sense in hindsight, and they explained that the positive thinking group very well could have recalled mastery moments from their past which not only felt positive, but also represented self-efficacy. And, okay, so sure, a boost in self-efficacy is nice and all, but did any of this change how participants felt about the negative memory? The short answer is yes. I mean, it didn't transform the negative memory into a positive memory, or even wipe the memory clean, but after visualizing moments from the past when participants had been effective and successful, taking another look at the negative memory, and then letting all of that simmer for about a week, something did change, at least for the self-efficacy group. Specifically, the participants who reimagined memories of self-efficacious moments in their lives rated the negative memory as being less distressing by the end of the study. And they seemed to feel more physically at ease when thinking about the memory by the end of the study too, and that their perception of heart palpitations did decrease over the course of the study. Meanwhile, the positive imagery group's feelings toward the memory was unchanged, and there was no change in their perception of physical responses when thinking about the memory either. So what can we take away from all of this? Before we get to that, I think it's important to note that the types of distressing memories that participants recalled were pretty mixed. 
As in, some participants recalled the death of loved ones, while others recalled having a big argument with a significant other, or there were others still who imagined times when they failed a big exam, and so on. These are all very different kinds of distressing memories, so it's not clear how things would have played out if the study looked only at performance-related negative memories, for instance. Nevertheless, at the end of the day, the main takeaway for me is that if you've had some negative performance experiences in the past that have continued to stick with you, and positive thinking hasn't helped to release some of the baggage around these experiences, I think it's worth trying some self-efficacy imagery to see if this might help decrease the distress associated with the memories. Plus, the authors also note that people higher in self-efficacy have stronger problem-solving abilities and a higher level of persistence and also show changes in brain activation in regions linked to emotional regulation. So, this may even be the sort of thing that could help you when you're having a frustrating practice day. As in, rather than getting frustrated and spiraling to the bad place, just hit pause on your practicing for a moment, recall a time when you accomplished something that was really challenging, bask in the memory of those self-efficacious feelings for a little bit, and then see if you're in a slightly better headspace as you continue on with whatever you are doing. You can find links to this week's study and other resources at bulletproofmusician.com slash blog. And if you found the episode helpful, please share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think might also enjoy experimenting with this during the coming week. Music